Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberg, and this is the program for you as a family caregiver. How are you holding up? What's going on with you? You know, there's 65 million of us doing this, caring for somebody who has something going on. Maybe you have a parent who is aging. Maybe you have a child with special needs. Maybe you have a loved one with trauma. Maybe there's somebody in your life who has some type of chronic illness. Or maybe you have somebody in your life who has a mental illness. Or maybe you're in a relationship with somebody who is an alcoholic. Or somebody who abuses drugs. You know, addiction is a chronic impairment. And wherever there's a chronic impairment, there is a caregiver. Are you that person? If so, you're in the right place. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. All right, I got to make a confession. I just got back from Denver with Gracie. I took her down there for a consult with her surgeon as we prepare for this upcoming operation that she has to have, which is a pretty significant operation. I truly did everything that I could to make this trip you know, go as smoothly as possible, given all of our extreme circumstances. And Gracie has her own wheelchair. I, I used to have a second wheelchair, but it's gotten kind of beat up a little bit, uh, and it doesn't function for her very well. So I took her good wheelchair. Usually I like to have a travel wheelchair because airlines are not known for being, you know, gentle with your stuff, but it's just a straight flight down there. They pull it up to the gate, and we get out and go, and I disassemble most of it anyway when I get to the the gate. I mean, what happens is I take her right onto the plane. She pivots, she gets up, she pivots and gets right in the front seat there. We're flying this. They have a, a daily flight that goes from Bozeman to Denver. You know, it's a straight shot on Southwest. And so it's open seating, but usually Gracie boards first. And it takes a few moments. And I, then I disassemble the back of her wheelchair and then the arms come up. And hold on to that piece of information because that's going to be very important. And the seat cushion that she has with it as well. So all of those things kind of work in tandem. Then I just fold up what's left of the wheelchair. It weighs about you know, 12 to 15 pounds. And then they check it at the gate and bring it back up to us when we arrive in Denver and vice versa. Now, Gracie and I are both TSA pre-checked. So going through the TSA is not terribly traumatic anymore and you've heard my lamentations on that particular torture exercise that they make us go through but we get through that we get to the gate the guy puts tags on it and he put three different tags on it of where this is going so it's been a haul to get her there to the airport. I did the music at our church on Sunday morning. I get her to the airport. It, it, you know, There's a lot involved in being a caregiver. You know this. And there are a lot of moving pieces. He put the tag on one of these special arms that she has that she can transfer in and out of this wheelchair with. Well, I take the arms off. The yellow tag that the gate guy sees when he's unloading the plane, that says, okay, this goes back to the gate. Well, that yellow tag is what catches her eye. They bring it up to the gate. Well, they didn't bring it up to the gate in Denver. So we're sitting there, and I have a car service through Uber. I'm having them come and pick us up, and I reserved a car for her. 
So I got this guy, but the app is not working properly on my phone. The wheelchair doesn't come up. The guy says he's trying to catch them. He could not. He said, I'll call down there. He did not. And so they we have one of those chairs from Southwest that you have to hold the handle to make it move. Otherwise, it puts the brakes on it, which is fine, but it's hard to carry a roller bag with that while going through the airport pushing somebody. And the way I do it is I have Gracie's purse, which has a special strap on it that fits right on my roller bag, my little carry-on. And then she holds a small little bag in her lap with her crutches. And then um, that's and then I'll hold her hand or push her wheelchair, and we'll get through the airport. And it's usually not too bad, except for the airports that have carpet. Which, why they have carpet, I do not know, but they do. So... She's very tired. She's uncomfortable. She's in a lot of pain. We finally find where this wheelchair is. And I go to the first lady, and she doesn't know anything about it. She's going to send me way down the hallway there at the Denver airport. Somehow the Denver airport is just not not my favorite airport to fly in and out of, except they have a Chick-fil-A. So we go, we're getting ready to go, and this other lady calls up, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think it's right here. So the other lady was just going to nonchalantly send us. The first lady, the, the second lady saw us. And said, is this it? We get over there. We do it. Get going with Gracie. I'm telling the driver through the Uber app that this is where we're going to be, where we're supposed to be. And I'm not getting any confirmation. I don't know what happens. And finally, we just get abandoned. We're out there waiting. It's hot. Gracie's tired. It's, you know, it's just, it's getting to be 6.15 in the evening. I'd already ordered dinner to be delivered to the hotel because we don't, you know, didn't want to go out to get something. We're not driving. So I have a Uber eats that come in. I've got all that piling up on me, no driver. So I call, use another app to get a Lyft driver, even though I've had my conversation with Lyft that I've shared with you all in years past. We finally get to the hotel. Wonderful driver gets us there safely. He used to be a CNA and now he's a Lyft driver. And that's great and uh, he was very kind uh shout out to sebastian and then we get there the meal is waiting right there it's already been delivered and and so we're we're behind schedule on that trying to get her settled in the room and i booked the room at the place we stay at all the time it's right across the street from the hospital and i use the app for that and we get there, and they put us in a non-handicap accessible room, even though it clearly said my reservation, and this is what I got. And they didn't have one in the entire hotel, according to the person there. And so we're having, I'm sitting here, it's almost 8 o'clock at night. She's got appointments on Monday, first thing in the morning with labs and everything else. And I'm thinking, okay, where am I going to go? You know, to haul her to someplace else and... Uh, you know, it's just, and so we made the best of it. The meal was good, and uh, we made the best of it, but it was just one of those things where it was just like everything was just hitting wrong, and I was pushing myself to pivot and make adjustments on the fly. So here's the lesson I learned, okay? Number one, triple check the gate check tag for the wheelchair. Make sure it's on the actual wheelchair being sent to the bottom of the plane, not on a part of it that I had to disassemble. You would think that'd be obvious, but there are things competing for shelf space in my brain, and that one just got away from me. So triple check that. And so any of you all are traveling, triple check that. 
Okay, I don't normally give tips. I'm just telling you this is what my lessons were. And if this helps you, God bless you. And then the second thing is make sure your app is working with your ride shares, that everything is going you know, smoothly and double and triple check that. You know, the old phrase, measure twice, cut once. Well, I think as caregivers, we have to measure 17 times and cut once, you know. At least I do. I don't know about y'all, but I do. And then the third thing that I learned was confirm with the people on site at the hotel that we have the right room. Don't trust an app. Now, you should think that you wouldn't have to worry about that. And for most people, it really isn't a big deal. But if you have to have handicap accessible features, then I think the burden is just going to have to be on us. Because I don't think you can count on people to do what they say they're going to do without us following through. And that's part of the problem, you know, we have as caregivers. And we just have to accept that certain reality that we, Ronald Reagan said it best, trust but verify. Trust but verify. And so... Those are my three hard lessons I won. We, we, we pulled it out. We got home safely, got Gracie back home, and then we'll head back again in two weeks. But it was just a bit maddening. But trust and verify. Trust and verify. That's the word uh, for me today as a caregiver for myself. This is Peter Rosenberg. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jan Harper. If you're a pastor's wife, come be encouraged and renewed as you share your challenges and stresses unique to pastors and their wives. The AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023, September 26th through the 28th at the Riverbend Retreat Center in beautiful Glen Rose, Texas. Here's exploring the words Bert Harper. I've experienced Satan's attack on our marriage and on our family. And Jan and I worked through that with the grace of God. And we want to just love on those pastors and encourage them. Bert and his wife Jan are hosting again this year with speakers Jeff and Debbie Shreve from Real Truth for Today. Most of the time when we ask that question why, God's response is, my child, just trust me. Register at repairingthefoundations.net, repairingthefoundations.net, or call 662-844-5036, extension 297. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat. We'd love to see you there. Raising Godly Boys with Mark Hancock. Has your son become your idol? That may seem like a ridiculous question, but even for the most well-intentioned parents, their son's happiness and success can consume their entire life to the point that it becomes more important than their relationship with God. Take some time to sit with God and reflect on your relationship with your son. Are you willing to discipline him to develop his character, even if it means he's angry with you? Do you obsess over controlling what he's exposed to? Maybe time to step back. Ask the Holy Spirit to influence your son and exercise your trust in God. It may be the best thing you've ever done for your son. For more ideas on raising boys to be godly men, visit TrailFUSA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Don't lament past mistakes. Move forward at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com.
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. And back to that last blog, just to tie that up. I, Gracie was questioning my use of apps, and I get that. But for me, carrying a lot of paper and trying to keep up with all that, I need my hands. And when it's all on my phone, it you know, it's a lot more convenient and readily available to me, like my boarding passes and so forth, which I learned the hard way. I don't depend on being online to be able to show my boarding pass to the TSA. And you could put it in your Google wallets or whatever. If you have an Android or Apple or the other, whatever, you could do all kinds of things to have it readily available, even if there's no Wi-Fi service or internet availability. And, um, and by the way, I, I got to give a shout out to the TSA. Uh, in Denver, the ones in um, Montana here usually very very easy to work with. It's a small airport, but in Denver, it's um, imagine if you will, everything that you think is dysfunctional about the government, and then you see that on display. And and I went up to there, and I'm pushing a wheelchair, and I've got a carry-on roller bag, and I hand him both. I put both of our IDs in Gracie's hands to give to this guy. We are clearly together, and I cannot. And they got signs out there. You can't say anything disparaging, or you you know whatever to the TSA. I'm very grateful that they don't have uh, signs that say you can't think anything disparaging about the TSA uh, because uh, <laughs> the thought police are, are coming after us, but at least we're still just a tiny bit ahead of them. And so she hands both IDs to him. And this guy is this, you know, he's got a bit of an attitude. He's a little bit surly and he's a low talker. Okay. I mean, the, the, the guy's a low talker. We're in this massive cavernous place there at the airport. There's people everywhere. It's just mass pandemonium. And he's up there just being a low talker. Um, and you know what that is from Seinfeld. Remember that lady with the low talker and convinced Jerry to wear the puffy shirt? Well, that's what we're dealing with here. And he gets all snippy at Gracie because she hands him two IDs for both of us. And he said, well, I only need yours. And I've got both my hands full. And as he got snippy, I remembered the sign. And, of course, Gracie gives me that look of you're not supposed to say anything that will in any way impugn these people. Um, you know you know how people get they're found in contempt of Congress? Well, I'm pretty much in contempt of Congress, the federal government. <laughs> I'm in contempt of a lot of things. But I was being measured in my response as this guy continued to get snippy. And I'm. Like, dude, you're going to have to speak a little louder so we can understand clearly what you're saying. And he just, the guy was just a jerk. And, you know, traveling with somebody in a wheelchair is hard enough. I think I told you all that story about at the same airport, TSA, wasn't the same guy. But there was, at that particular time, there was nobody there in that whole part of the queue. I mean, it, it on 20 feet on either side of me, there's not, but we had this maze. We had to go 20 feet, 20 yards on either side. There was nobody there. And we had this maze we had to go through pushing a wheelchair. 
And so I undid one of the straps and pushed her all the way through. And the guy at the TSA made me push Gracie all the way back through an empty queue and come back in the wheelchair line that, that was not identified and come back over some other line. But it was not. I was. You know, I handled that in the way that you think I would handle it. And um, I. <laughs> I. I was. Well. There's a sanctification process that goes on in my life when I go through the TSA. Let's just say that. All right. You know, and I, I'm like you all. I mean, I'm a caregiver and I'm juggling 16 different things and we've got all this stuff we put on people because our, well, all right, I'm going to swerve into an area that's not, that's my opinion and not my experience. In my experience, they make it very difficult for people pushing wheelchairs and so forth and it is a bit challenging and we're doing the best we can, but these guys can be a bit challenging. So I, I did my best to be measured. And as Gracie says, don't, don't hurt your witness, which always is incredibly um, inspiring for me to hear from her when I'm in the midst of that. But I try not to, I, I admire people who can keep a cheerful disposition in moments like this, but I, I, I struggle with that. I really do. I get irritated. I get irritated with foolishness. And um, I I don't even know what to say. I, I, I And you see strange people at the, at the TS, I mean, at the airport too. But uh, I saw this one guy and he was walking around and had this shirt on that said freedom and he was wearing a mask. And, um, and then I saw people with double mask and I was like, you know, it, it's a strange place. But irrespective of which... I go back to what I said, trust but verify, and I do like using the apps because it does help keep it concise, but if you do have connection problems, sometimes it can be a bit of a challenge. Take that and do with it what you will, and if that helps, but I would highly recommend if you travel a lot with your loved one, well, even if you don't, really think through all the stuff that's going to happen because it's going to be challenging particularly if you're in a major airport if you're in a smaller airport like we leave going out from here in bozeman they're they're pretty easy to work with for the most part it's it they're they're very gracious and helpful and so forth but when you get to big airports where they're just inundated with so many people it can be very unpleasant and i i've since 9 11 it's just traveling it used to be fun and and Gracie, you heard on the interview I had um, a couple of weeks ago with Liz Marshall, who was a flight attendant. You know, we were talking about the old days when you dressed up to go on an airplane. Well, that that's over. But but Gracie still does, and I still do. I mean, we we don't look like vagabonds when we go. Um, I have gotten Gracie to minimize her Mister T collection because Gracie likes jewelry. And she likes jewelry that you can see from the back row kind of thing, and, and which doesn't work well when you go through airports. So I, I tried it. She's, she's done very well at concisely packing, and she doesn't like it, but uh, we, we've had to work this out because we have to travel back and forth. That's one thing about living out so far where we live. If you want to get to you know, these kinds of facilities where you have those kind of doctors. We were kind of spoiled in Nashville because we lived five minutes from Vanderbilt University Medical Center. And so, you know, 
it was no big deal. I just go back to the house if we forgot something. But out here, you have to think it through and you have to plan. And there is a lot of planning that goes. Uh, I still think that being out of the city, and by the way, I heard more sirens because we stay right there near the hospital, the hotel, and we heard more sirens that night than I hear out here in in a year because um, we live so remotely way out in the country. So that's the trade-off we have. But if you do travel with your loved one and you have any type of mobility challenges like that, um, I've my experience has taught me be um, very thorough, I guess is the best word, to go back and look at maybe even make a checklist because there's just too many things that compete for shelf space in our brains. And, uh, I, I mean, think about it. Think about all the things that we have to make sure to check, all the boxes we have to check. Uh, to do this just you know and then my father-in-law came down and checked on the house while we're while I was in there he called me yesterday so he said did you mean to leave your you know your door unlocked at the house <laughs> and I was like well no I didn't I mean fortunately where we live it's not really that much of an issue but um, I thought I'd locked it up but he he found it and got it taken care of and I was very grateful for that but you know that gives you an idea of just the, the moving pieces and, you know, even remembering where we parked, you know, kind of thing. It could be a bit of a challenge. It's just amazing. I mean, you know, I've been doing this since I was 22. You would think I'd have a pretty good system, but it's just it just gangs up on you. And I don't, you know, if you stress out about it, uh, that can be its own set of problems. And I, I admit I was pretty vexed by the time I got to the hotel and they put us in the wrong room and the... Um, the lady at the counter was just like, yeah, well, you know, I'm really sorry. And I'm like, wow, you know, you remember, well, you probably don't watch the Simpsons, but Homer once said to Marge, you know, sorry, doesn't put the thumbs back on the hands, Marge, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And I think we're going to find in this world we live in that customer service is almost, uh, is such a scarcity that if, that you're going to have to assume that they're not going to care and they're not going to do their job right. And I hate to say that. And I would love for you to tell me differently, but I'm going to assume for the most part that most people aren't going to care in places like when, when you're doing things like this, uh, travel and high, high volume places like this, that they're probably not going to care and they're probably not going to do their job with any kind of enthusiasm. And when it happens, I'm always pleasantly surprised and delighted. But if I go in there expecting it, I will be disappointed greatly. And, you know, I, I, I hate that. I hate that for our country. I hate that for those of us who, who travel with all kinds of special needs and considerations and so forth. But the onus is on us. And there was a time when that was not quite the same way, but I think those days are over, and I think that we have to be prepared for it, that we're going to run into all kinds of craziness, and we're going to have to adjust on the fly, and, um, you know, you can do all the planning you want. I had it right there in my app. I got it. I pulled up the email where they sent me and confirmed, here's what you're getting with a roll-in shower. Uh, you got a... ADA accessible room and all that kind of stuff and zip zero nada. And there wasn't a, so much of, 
hey, we hate this for you. We're gonna sit, we're gonna make this right. We're gonna do something here. Don't you worry. I know you're I know you're tired. Let us help you. No, no, there wasn't any of that. There was, hey, I'm sorry. Nothing I do. I just work here. You know, I'm, I'm just here. There's nothing I do. And I was like, man, what an indictment on the culture. Ah, well. All right, ranting's over. I had to learn some hard lessons this week. Again, trust but verify and recognize that, that I'm going to have to triple, quadruple, and quintuple check it. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. This is a unique moment in the history of our country where we have an opportunity to restore the foundations of this nation. Tony Perkins of Washington Watch. To a nation that once again honors God. It will not happen unless God's people are informed and engaged. Join Tony Perkins for Washington Watch. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evening at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Today's culture is opting for entertainment rather than biblical enlightenment. For those who resist that trend, Friends of Israel shows listeners why loving the Jewish people and supporting Israel is important to the Christian faith. Friends of Israel shares biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah and promotes solidarity with the Jewish people. This is Chris Katolka of the Friends of Israel Today radio program heard each weekend on this station. And here's what's happening in Israel. Friends of Israel, Saturday afternoon at 2, here on American Family Radio. Hey friends, it's Jessica Peck, Dr. Nurse Mama, as your one-minute parenting coach. What were you thinking? Every parent is guilty of asking this rhetorical question when teens make a poor choice. But brain function for decision-making doesn't mature until the early 20s. What if instead of framing that mistake as a moral or spiritual failure, We view it as a decision-making failure. Our teens need us to help them navigate a complex world with high-stakes decisions. Coaching them goes something like this. You made a choice you regret. I know that hurts. Let's talk through how you made this decision to see where you could make different choices. I have faith you'll learn from this. I'll see you on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast here on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. Glad to have you with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. I have a very special guest on the program today, Genevieve Collins. She is the state director for Texas for this organization called Americans for Prosperity. Now, Americans for Prosperity is a nonprofit, nonpartisan. It's a grassroots organization committed to finding what they call bottom-up solutions to better the lives of their citizens. And for Genevieve, she's the state director for Texas, so to to help Texans have a better quality of life, and they are tackling the big issues. Now, why is that important? Because what happens in Texas does have an impact on what happens around the nation. She wants to talk a little bit about health care today and what this means for us as caregivers, what we're having to deal with. Here's some hard numbers. 29.5 million people in Texas. It has the largest uninsured population, and then almost two-thirds of the population carry serious medical debt. 
Genevieve, did I get that number right? Almost two-thirds carry this level of medical debt. It's tragic. Six out of 10 Texans are carrying medical debt. And this is what we're seeing across the nation, not just in Texas. When you look at that number, and I mean, I understand medical debt, and I've, I've been sure. there. Gracie and I have had to make a lot of hard decisions in our lives. This, this audience has to make a lot of hard decisions. That's a daunting thing to take on. 30 million people, six out of 10 are carrying yeah. this. Where do you start? To be quite frank, I was one of them too. I uh, almost died in October of 2020. I had appendicitis that turned into kind of a botched version of appendicitis. I had a rupture that they didn't catch, and then I went septic. And so I understand what it's like to be on the brink of, of death's door. And then I get a surprise bill for $30,000 that I didn't ask for. And I just, for me, for how I lead our state, I just refuse to be a part of an abdication of an incredibly important issue. And I think that for those who are taking care of people in the, in the wings, silently doing their duty, someone has to be their voice and has to stand in the gap. And I'm not afraid to be that person or use my organization, Americans for Prosperity, to do that. People deserve to be seen, they deserve to be heard, they deserve solutions, and they deserve to not have to carry insane amounts of medical debt that is causing anxiety, it's causing financial burden. And for caregivers that are doing so much, they don't need that extra pressure. So we're going to try to hit the release valve for them. Where do you start? We start with four simple tenets. One, when it comes to healthcare, how do we increase access, decrease costs, ensure that there is price transparency, and ensure that Medicare and Medicaid are there for those that most need it. Now, Peter, you and your audience are probably thinking, wow, Genevieve, these are not provocative concepts, right? <laughs> However, the system is set up where, unfortunately, we have to actually talk about these values and these principles in order to actually get something done. The system is set up where patients are the commodity and for your audience, caregivers, I mean, they're kind of pushed to the side sometimes in these really important conversations, especially from the financial side. We should not be at the whims and of the insurance companies. We need them. I understand that, especially for huge medical bills. But we don't need to be a commodity and we need to empower the patients. So what I do is really across the state of Texas, I have 13 offices across the state of Texas and 30 full-time staff with about 60 part-time staff. And we have about 250,000 unique volunteers and activists. And what we do is collect stories. We listen to the community, to what is happening with people, how, the, how certain policies are adversely affecting their lives. And then we create policy solutions, we create legislation, and nurture that legislation from writing it to passing it and getting the governor's signature. We manage that entire ecosystem, and we invite people to be a part of that process. Because I think so often in the healthcare space, many of us are feeling like we're helpless, that we can't take on the machine. Things are too big that who am I? What is my story to actually make a difference? 
And with what we do is really say, no, your story is the difference. And we're going to give you the platform and the microphone and the support to tell it. And we're going to nurture your story to fruition for a solution. So you you guys advocate for those who advocate. And, we do, yeah. And, and do you have a mechanism where people can come to your site, to your organization, and, and put their story in online? Yes. Our website is called personaloption.com. Any of your listeners live in Texas, they can visit www.personaloption.com slash Texas. And you can, people can input their stories and we use them. These aren't just, uh, they go into some black hole. We actually use them and we help create state legislation. Americans for Prosperity has 38 state chapters. We're in the process of expanding into all 50 states. But not only do we advocate at the state level, we also advocate at the federal level where so much reform needs to happen and so many people need a voice. And we actually help create legislation. We have a couple bills going through Congress right now um, to improve people's quality of life for healthcare. I want to take a moment just to address the audience real quick. You all know this as caregivers, how inundating you could become in in all the the minutiae of of caring for someone with a a lengthy healthcare history it, it would be foolish for us to expect that politicians could be read into that as quickly as we need them to be and so we have to have organizations who can condense this vast amount of information of suffering of challenges of headaches and be able to speak directly to the politician who is over that because otherwise we're just we're just leaving them to figure this out on, on their own and that is not a good thing because you see what mess that happens when they figure this out on their own if if our yeah, elected leaders happens. could well yeah if our elected leaders could figure this out on their own then Genevieve would be out of a job and, I hope I hope I'm out of a job right well but <laughs> I, I don't see that happening because I've seen the people that we've elected so you're going to be you're going to be employed for a very long time Genevieve but we <laughs> but it's important that we have this conduit to take this information that people are struggling with. I know this, I I remember decades ago, I've been doing this now for almost 40 years. And this was decades ago at St. Thomas hospital in Nashville. And Gracie was having a surgery. And I saw this guy in the middle of the family waiting room, there, critical care. Mm -hmm. And he looked so lost. He was probably by age now, uh, which is a very special age. <laughs> I won't say anything <laughs> about that. Uh, now that I look back at it, that makes me cringe a little bit. But he was sitting in a suit. He ha- he literally had a hat and he was holding it in his hand and he was twiddling it and he just looked lost. I noticed his clothing. He had a, a suit on, but it was an older suit. He had work boot type of things. And he looked like the kind of guy that was very, very good and skilled at what he did in, in farm, big machinery, and so forth. And in his world, he was on top of it. But he wasn't in his world anymore. And he was absolutely disoriented. And I swore to myself that day, I will wow. never let myself get there. And I will try to find as many people as I can who are stuck in that and try to help point them to safety. And I want you to know how much I appreciate that's what you profound. guys are doing, because that's okay. what that's what the mission is. There are people that that are thrust into this world and they have no idea. I I, I remember a lady, uh, I mean, called Gracie right after surgery and said, oh, we want wow. to know how you're going to pay for this particular surgery. And Gracie was still kind of foggy. And I called down to the billing office. I said, she's going to pay for it the same way she did the last 50 surgeries she's had here because she's yeah. had a lot. 
And I was so indignant. And I thought, okay, who's helping? I, I'm pretty aggressive and I've been doing this a long time. But what about those who don't bring that aggression and that skill set and that confidence to this? Who's helping them? This is what you're doing. Yeah. Talk we a are, bit yeah. about the, the nuts and bolts of that. Sure. Well, let's talk about just practically what what we do at Americans for Prosperity. We give a voice to the silent majority, whether that's in education or taxpayer issues on property tax or health care. Someone has to stand in the gap and make sure that those who don't have a voice have a microphone and have someone being their advocate. From The way I think about it for your audience is your audience, they're the ones that are the patient, you know, and we are their advocate. We are your caregiver. Uh, that's kind of how I like to think of it. Does that make sense that, you know, sometimes, sometimes Very you just so. don't know who's all in the room, but you need somebody to be your advocate. We are that person. We are that organization. And it's a matter of whether it's caregivers or someone else in the healthcare space or any, any space for that matter. My job is to make sure people are seen. You know, so oftentimes people are just living their lives, not often heard or not often seen. My job is to make sure that we see you and then we go fight for you. So what does that mean practically? That in Texas, we passed seven specific innovative laws at our state level that are focused around expanding access and enforcing price transparency. So one example is an itemized bill. So we passed a law that hospitals in Texas are now required to give patients or caregivers an itemized bill before they go get their procedure. You know, why is it acceptable that in the healthcare industry, you have no idea what it's going to cost before you get any procedure? You know, there's that's why there's so much medical debt, uh, or one of the reasons. And so this bill is actually saying uh, every hospital has to give you a bill in advance and in layman's terms. You can't be forced to get like a thesaurus and a dictionary to understand, you know, the 17 syllable words that they put <laughs> on some of these receipts. So you have to put it in layman's terms. And most important, if a patient is not given, a itemized bill before their care or before their good or service, the hospital cannot take them to debt collection. We have got to provide some safeguards for our you guys, citizens. You guys did that in Texas. We got it done. And here's what's great is that when Texas has 29 million people, when we pass laws here in Texas, this is an incubator at scale that when we pass really good laws, we can now export those laws to other states. It's kind of like people always look to Texas or Florida for what is innovative in different marketplaces. We're doing that, and this can now be exported to other states to pass. We're talking with Genevieve Collins. She's the Texas State Director for Americans for Prosperity, and they are all about how to push from the bottom up laws, and legislation in this country that will help advocate, uh, particularly in this area we're talking today about healthcare and equipping caregivers to better navigate through this system. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
I'll never forget walking into the hospital room after Gracie had her second amputation. Both legs are gone now. And she looked at me. She said, I know what I'm going to do. And I was kind of startled. I said, well, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to help provide prosthetic limbs to my fellow amputees and tell them about Jesus. And I said, well, baby, can we get out of the hospital first? But she never let it go. And for almost 20 years, we've been working out of Ghana, West Africa. We treat patients all over there from other countries that come there. We send supplies. We send teams. We sponsor patients. We work with a prison where inmates volunteer to disassemble used prosthetic limbs so we can recycle the parts. All of this because Gracie trusted God with her heartache. We've got a huge shipment of supplies that is being loaded up right now to go out soon. Would you help us do it? Standingwithhope.com slash giving. Standingwithhope.com slash giving. There's prosthetic feet, knees, pylons, sleeves, adapters, all kinds of connectors. All of these things we are sending over there so that people can walk. We're going to point them to Christ. Help us out. Standingwithhope.com slash giving. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. Not to disagree with the singer, but there's too little toilet paper, too little hand sanitizer, too little meat in grocery stores, and the list goes on. This coronavirus has the whole world in a tizzy. There seem to be shortages everywhere. But one thing there's not too little of is the good news that God is still in control and His love is limitless. Check out Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. People are lonely. People are looking for explanations. Now more than ever, they're searching for truth. What they need is Jesus. Yes, the world needs love, God's love. And yes, we as Christians are called to both show and share God's love. A reminder of good news from American Family Radio. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. That's a great song to come back into this segment with. From Gracie, that's uh, a song I wrote. It's called We Will Stand. I wrote that after 9-11 when I was like the whole world. I was trying to process what just happened. And I was thinking, how do you, how do you speak to these individuals who are going through that? And then I looked at Gracie and I thought, how do I even say something to her? with the devastation that she deals with. And that's what I wrote. I will stand with you when you cannot stand alone. I will fight for you when all your strength is gone. I will sing for you so that all can hear your song. Take my hand, lean on me. We will stand. Gracie took that song and just wailed on it. And I now for over 20 years have loved to listen to her sing that song And I think that's appropriate for our conversation we're having today with Genevieve Collins. She is the Texas State Director for Americans for Prosperity. And we're talking about an organization that is committed to standing with people who do not have a voice or certainly feel like they don't. And so many of us toil in obscurity. We look at what happens in Washington and our state houses, and we're thinking, how in the world can we have any kind of impact on that? Well, as individuals, we may not, but as a group, well, that's a different story, and that's what Genevieve is discussing here today. And Genevieve, we were talking about, before we went to the break, the things that you guys 
had passed in Texas. Now, I want you to unpack that a little bit, but are you guys in every state? America's for Prosperity in every state? We're in 38 states, so 38 we're state. in okay. almost every state. We don't have a chapter in California. I'm not sure that they're savable, but we're going to try anyways. <laughs> Non-salvageable <laughs> state. But uh, what yeah. about Montana? I live in Montana. We now. do have a chapter in Montana. Yeah, all right. What would you like this audience to know and to do on behalf of your work that you're doing there? Well, first off, we don't know your story, and we don't unfortunately know your experience, but we want to. So go to our website, personaloption.com slash Texas, for those who live in Texas, or personaloption.com. Help us tell but, your story. Like, can you do it like if they're in uh, yeah. Montana, personaloption.com slash Montana? No, it's just Texas. So we're leading the way because I really care oh, okay. about healthcare. All right, all right, but, all right. Okay, sorry. But you can go to our overall website, personaloption.com, and still tell your story there. Um, so I encourage your folks to do that because you cannot, we cannot continue to let people suffer in silence. That is not what this, the, this country is purpose to do. Um, everyone deserves a life filled with, you know, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So first off, go to our website. Secondly, join us. We host events all across the country. Um, you can, Go to our website, americansforprosperity.org. I'm sorry for so many websites, y'all, but americansforprosperity.org. Okay. And folks can connect with their specific state chapters. Um, and that then we can actually bring you to the Capitol. We help coach people on how to testify, how to tell your story. And we will take care of all of the nuts and bolts because your story matters. And that's really what I want to impress is that we can help create legislation alongside some of your caregivers that need, need real meaningful reform and need real relief and use us as that resource to be a conduit to get that relief. You know, I've, I've watched in days past, and I'm going to swerve into something I probably should not do. But, oh, dear. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> don't, don't be. But I watched uh, when there were people trying to force a piece of legislation down this country's throat, and they brought up all kinds of stuff to testify, uh, all kinds of people to testify in Washington. And they were stories that were so absurd and mm -hmm. so goofy. And I knew that this was not um, a indicator of what's really going on in in families and caregivers and and chronically ill patients um and i knew this was not but it was fitting their agenda and i was yelling at the television um uh, because mm -hmm. i i have been immersed in this for a very long time and i've watched a lot of stuff trotted out on the screens i'm very grateful that you are allowing this because this is pushback to say no no yeah. no this is what's going on with people this is this is where they really are and th th they were propping up with they, th these people were used as props, and it was it was terrible freak shit. Terrible. And I think that it's time for us to be able to have pushback on that because there are real people. I, I get letters all the time from this audience of things you're going through that are incredibly difficult. I'll, I'll tell you one, and I think they've resolved the issue now. But there was a lady that was taking care of her husband with quadriplegia, and huh. she was trying to work two jobs to pay for people to come and take care of him. Oh and goodness. then she had no, but she couldn't get uh, the only solution she came up with because she wanted to take care of him. 
And I, I talked to her for about an hour and a half. It was one of those calls that I had to take a knee after. And she mm-hmm. ended up divorcing her husband so that she could be paid by the state to take care yep. of him. I have and, had more people say that to me. Parents that had twins, that brand new babies, they couldn't afford the care of the NICU. And sorry to interrupt you, Peter, but I, t- I get this all the time that, so, that caseworkers say, well, divorce your husband so that way you can get on Medicare or excuse me, on Medicaid. Medicaid. Yeah. And um, and she's like, what? What? I just had children with this person. Like, I'm, I have newborns. Like, and you're advising me to divorce my husband so that we can get on Medicaid to pay these bills? This is asinine. But, forgive, this my, moment, forgive my terminology. No, but no, no. Just, that, that's a good word. And I, I have a few more uh, <laughs> of words of that. But th- this woman, she was so, you could just see the dignity in her. And she said, I bathe him. I clean him. I feed him. I sleep with him every night. He is my husband, but this is all yeah. I could do. And she had family members that every they were just judging her because of this. Oh. And I looked at, I said to her very clearly, I said, you broke the contract, but you kept the covenant. Be what? at peace. Beautiful. Because Beautiful. I, that's, that's, and if somebody's got something better, they want to say to this woman that they're welcome to step up, but I don't think there is anything better. You could say that she was so desperate and she was willing to do whatever. And it reminded me of that story, you know, in Ruth, where Ruth was willing to go and lay at the feet yeah. of Boaz because she needed something. I mean, she was, she would, and her, and her mother-in-law told her to do it. And, and, and I'm thinking this is the plight that people are having. These laws need to change so that spouses who are taking care of their loved ones are not, yes. I mean, I send an invoice to Gracie every week. She doesn't pay it, but I said, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I don't do it. Um, but, but I, I, and Gracie says, why aren't you getting paid to take care of me? Right. And, right. and I'm like, well. That's a very good question, but yeah, it but, turns out you have a master's in nursing and you didn't know it, right? I have a PhD in PhD. caregiving from the school yeah. of hard knocks. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. I I um I, I appreciate very much what you guys are doing, and I want to encourage this audience to please go out. the The website is personaloptions.com. dot com, and personal if you're in option. tech, personal option. Sorry, sorry, personal. And I'll put this in the podcast and everything else on the website. Uh, personal personaloption.com. And if you're in Texas, and I know a lot of listeners to this program are personaloption.com slash Texas and tell your story, give them a chance to be able to advocate for you. Give them a chance to represent you. This is a group of individuals. I wouldn't have them on the program if, if, if I didn't know that they would be able to stand in the gap for you. Okay. And I'm asking you to take a little bit of a leap of faith and tell your story. Let them give them a crack at it. All you've got to lose is a few moments typing your story in. Yeah. Give, give them a crack at it. Genevieve, anything else? Last thoughts. Last thoughts. Again, I just want to reiterate two things. In Texas, we got seven unique bills passed this session, and we are going to continue to accelerate in the next legislative session in 2025. Texas under my time at Americans for Prosperity, we are going to be the organization that expands innovation, expands care, expands the ability of people to be seen and uh, and reduces costs. So join us in that fight. But more importantly, I ha- I'm sure that your listeners know this for the, all of the pot, all of the folks that you have on this program. 
but I really want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I really see you. I see all of the work you guys do. Stiff upper lip, you take care, you do keep your head down, you do what is needed, you love fully. And I just want you to know that you are seen and we hope to hear from you. We hope to give your voice and your experience more meaning to help more people. So just know that I love and appreciate all of you. Beautiful words, Genevieve. Genevieve Collins, Americans for Prosperity. And you can, she does have a lot of websites, but the <laughs> first one I want you to go to is personaloption.com slash Texas. If you're in Texas, personaloption.com. Give them a crack at it. Give them a chance to tell your story and watch what can happen because together our stories become a force. So go to personaloption.com slash Texas if you're in Texas. Otherwise, just personaloption.com. And Genevieve, I want you to know how much I appreciate you being here with us today. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver, hopeforthecaregiver.com. I look forward to spending time with you each week. Thank you for spending time with me today. What do you say to a caregiver? How do you help a caregiver? I was talking to this billing agent at the doctor's office and I said, how are you feeling? And she said, oh, great, it's Friday. And before I could catch myself, I said, Friday means nothing to me. Every day is Monday. And I felt kind of ashamed of that. And I'm sorry for that. But I realized that whole principle of every day is Monday. What that means for us as caregivers, we know that this is going to be a challenging day. And I wrote these one minute chapters that you literally can read them in one minute. And I'm really proud of this book. It's called A Minute for Caregivers when every day feels like Monday. It's filled with bedrock principles that we as caregivers can lean on, that we can depend upon to get us to safety where we can catch our breath, take a knee if we have to, and reorient our thinking and the weight that we carry on our shoulders. If you don't know what to say to a caregiver, don't worry about it. I do. Give them this book. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith.